Hey, good morning. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to our Father in Heaven, first of all. That's the most important father. I know he, he's been a, such a father to me when I didn't have a father. He was always there, always, always. God provides so much. Reentry team, if you don't have one, I think we do have a few more in the back to read. I've been reading it again. It is, it is excellent. Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Genesis. I just love it. How many have you read it? I'm not going to look around, but have you read it? I want you to read it. 50 chapters. Chapters, if you read one chapter a day, it takes you 50 days. But some parts of it you can't stop. You're going to read two, three, four chapters. It's just all part of a kind of a, a, a segment. And uh, you will be blessed by reading it. But, but this whole concept of Genesis, again, the book of beginnings, where we came from, who we are, whose we are, I think that's the biggest thing. Who's, whose am I? Who do I belong to? Remember your creator, Solomon said. Remember your creator. So I wanted to make a little clarification, a little correction. Last week I talked about the different days of creation. Day five, uh, I talked about living creatures. And day six, I talked about man. But I want to clarify that. Day five, living creatures in the sea and in the air. And day six, living creatures on the land and man. But we're going to focus in on mankind uh, today, really focus in on uh, Adam and Eve and the concept of the institution. I don't like that word, but that's what it is. An institution, the institution of marriage. is something that was instituted. Uh, some of you that are married, married saying, oh, no, it's an institution, all right. I got locked up. Let's turn to, to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read some verses in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. We've got some things to share from you from other passages as well. Chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Where did we come from? He said, let us make man. Where did, where did we come from? We were created by God. You see, uh, this is the part of the purpose of life. And we talked about this last week that God gave us divine purpose. There's a purpose for your existence. Why am I alive? Why am I here on this earth? It's because God is my creator and I'm here to serve him. I'm here to to follow him. He says here that, that we were made in his image, that we're different from every other thing that was created. We have a spiritual nature. We have a spiritual capacity. We have the capacity to love, to think, to reason, to feel. We have personality just like uh, uh, God does. It says here in uh, Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When I read that, I don't know about you, but it seems pretty clear to me, right? Male and female. 
period. God had a plan. God had a purpose. And, and I want to point out to you as well that in the New Testament, Jesus quoted this. Matthew chapter 19, he said, haven't you read? Maybe uh, that's what Jesus is saying to you and I. Haven't we read what Genesis says? Haven't you read, Jesus said, that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. So Jesus quotes it. Jesus, you know, puts his seal of approval on it. Let's jump now into chapter 2. It says in verse 7, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The man became a living being. Uh, this word, when he talks about forming, it's the, it's the word that was used about potters and clay, that they would take the materials and they would put them together. He used this like the potter uses, you know, clay, which is made out of dirt and that. And he says, we were made. Genesis chapter 3 says that for dust you are, and to dust you, are, you will return. So you and I, this is kind of God put us together, but I love what it says in Psalm 103. I referred to it last week. It says that, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are dust. So he knows he has compassion on us, those that he created, his creation. Verse 8, it says now, the Lord, had, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we, we see this beautiful place that he created. Jump down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and to take care of it, this, this use, usefulness, this care. See, work, work isn't a bad thing. Work is before the curse. It's good to work. You and I need to work. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. One command. We're going to look at that next week when we look at chapter 3. One command. That's all he was given. Verse 18 says, The Lord God said, it is, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Who was going to make the helper? It was God himself. Warren Wiersbe points out here in, in, in this verse here that the basis for marriage is, number one, companionship. Number two, to carry on the human race, as we've seen, be fruitful and multiply. And number three, he says, to help one another, to bring out the best. He talks about a helper, that we help one another. Verse 19, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them, name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, 
No suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib or the side that he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. This is the first recorded surgery. First time uh, we see anesthesia used. I kind of think, you know, uh, when God does his work, the, the men are sleeping anyways. But God does this incredible work, and, and he made this woman. It's, it was his plan. He designed this. Verse 23, the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I, you know, when I read verse 23, I think it just, just what it means is that Adam just saw her and said, Wow. That's what I think. See, see, God had a plan. God had a purpose. And, and we see that, that this is all part of his creation. Where did it come from? How does it function? How does it work? Jump down to verse 24. It says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. See, God had a plan and a purpose from the very beginning for marriage. It's his plan. We see one woman, one man, God's plan, you see. If God designed it, if God created it, well, I think then we need to follow his instructions about it. And he gives us those instructions in the word. We don't go to, you know, the the counselor to get instruction about what marriage is all about, though they might help us. And they would help us even more if they used the biblical teaching to draw from. But God had a plan and a purpose for marriage. He designed it. He created it. Some of you know this. And uh, yesterday was our anniversary. 45 years. 45. That's a long, I don't even know how that could possibly be. I'm, I'm not even that old. We got married very young. 45 years. But, but I'll say it in the beginning and I'll say it at the end, the only way that we have survived is Jesus. How did, how, how we survived? Jesus. That's the simple answer. You know, you ask a kid, well, you know, some question from the Bible, and they always say God, Jesus, or the Bible, basically, yeah. So Jesus is the simple answer, and I, and I know that for sure. So, but these passages, and we're not going to look at all these, uh, but Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 3, and Colossians chapter 3 are the three main passages teaching about marriage. So I... I'm going to share for the husbands in just a, a little bit, and I've asked Paula, my wife, to come and tell you all the secrets about our marriage. No, I told her not to do, no, never mind. But she's going to come and share about from a wife's perspective, and I think she has, I think she has a credibility, I think she has the experience 
to do that after 45 years. Would you, wouldn't you think? 45 years of putting up with me. I said to her the other day, I said, you put up with me for 45 years. That is a miracle, right? Come on up. She's going to share. You got to share. Um, I have max 10. Um, uh, I got to talk fast, but I have to figure out what, you know, you don't want to just say nothing. Um, he said to me yesterday, you realize we've been married for four and a half decades. <laughs> They've been married for five, so. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in here that have a lot of, uh, you know, I look around the room and I think, you know, who are you going to talk to? Because I always tell people, know your audience. So I look around the room and, you know, I know the stories of a lot of the marriages in here. I, and I know the struggles, right? Marriage is not easy. Marriage is hard. I know the struggles that a lot of the people in this room have been through. Um, both in their marriages and in their personal lives, things they've had to walk through and battle with. And, um, and it's an encouragement to me to see how they have persevered through those times. And in a way, it kind of speaks to what I think the most primary first thing about marriage is, is not the warm, fuzzy, cozy, wonderful feeling that you think you're going to get this person who's going to treat you like a queen your whole life, because that's not it. It's, it's truly understanding and knowing that God has drawn you together and that it's a commitment. It's a commitment before God. It's a commitment between two people. It's a co commitment towards men. So when we, you know, do a marriage counseling with people and we, it starts off with, if you're going to make a vow before God, if you're going to make a vow before men, then be serious about it. Because marriage is difficult. Marriage is not um, easy. You know, we talked this morning about um, all the different opportunities of uh, the reentry team uh, idea, which is really just uh, is us as a church. We are, we are the team. As the church, you know, helping this family to reenter to America. Um, we talked about the Festival of Hope. And so all of those things have this one thing in common is that it's a coming together of lives, blending together to make something happen. And so marriage is actually, according to scripture, a picture of the church, right? Marriage is a picture of the church and how God takes broken lives and individual lives and he blends them together. He blends us, that coming together, that being united as one. That's not just talking about sex, people. That's talking about emotional, spiritual, um, life-blending stuff that happens as we are, you know, surrendering. We are laying down our lives for one another. We are, um, you know, uh, submitting to one another, yielding, loving, caring for. The lives are being melded together. And so that's why when they talk about 
divorce being a separation is it's a ripping apart of an emotional thing that has been building. So, you know, in the process of looking around the room, I see kids from divorced families. I see um, kids who have said to me, you know, my parents are supposed to be Christians. Why are they fighting all the time? I see uh, young people that are hoping to get married. Um, so, you know, to me, first of all, you know, what is marriage about? It's that. It's the blending together of lives for a purpose, not just to meet my, my, own, my own needs. When people come to us and they say, well, I want to get married because, you know, I need somebody to take care of me, this, whatever, well, obviously don't marry that person because it's a very self-centered motivation. We get married because we want to be involved in each other's lives. So to me, thinking about it this morning, even as I, you know, my head has got so many things, I only have 10 minutes, so I can't even talk about it all. But for me, marriage has also been a blending together as a team. You know, like I said, we are talking about these teams that we want to form. But marriage is not only a cross-cultural experience, but it's also a building together of a team a partnership of two people with the same goal ultimately for Christian families, for a Christian home, a Christian marriage, that goal is the glorification of Jesus Christ and a testimony to his witness of what he has done by blending together two lives to become one. Taking an imperfect wife and an imperfect husband and bringing their lives together to form a beautiful picture of who he is, what the church is, and what God can do with broken lives. I've seen some of the marriages that are in here teetering on destruction, but yet they're still sitting here. They're still a testimony to what God can do in broken lives, what God can do to make people one. So, you know, in speaking to uh, what have I learned as a wife, you know, that, um, yes, I'm married to an imperfect man, but I'm also an imperfect woman. And that's why we can say that the only thing that has kept us together in our marriage, and we tell every single person who comes to talk to us about marriage, the only thing that keeps us together about marriage is our commitment to Jesus. And the marriages that I've seen fail, the Christian marriages I've seen fail, is because there's no commitment to Jesus. God honoring, honoring him above all things. All things. We've been through a lot of stuff in our marriage. Um, our first year of marriage was a real party. Uh, you know, we went back and forth where you must love me, you must submit, you must love me, you must submit for a whole year. But what is the motivation of that? Where does that come from? That comes from our own selfishness, our own longing to have our needs met. And so, you know, you grow from that, hopefully. You grow from that. Some people never do, so their marriages fall apart. Um, you grow from that, and you learn that within marriage, there is this act of this acceptance of one another, but there's also an acceptance of roles. And submission is part of that, this yielding, this understanding that even in the home, as there is in the church and in the workplace and everywhere else, there's sort of a, a, a level of authority, right? You, I hate, you know, in this day and age, you can't use some of these words. 
But there's this level of authority that, um, as a woman, honestly, you should be grateful is not yours. Okay? Because the person with the highest authority has the most responsibility. And who's he responsible to? He's, he's responsible to God. He's responsible to God for in the way he cares for you, protects you, leads you, guides you, looks after you. Um, is he selfish, self-centered? You know, he's going to answer to God for all of that. He's got the higher responsibility. So honestly, you should be glad. I, you know, I have a, a friend that we used, when we used to talk about marriage and stuff, and, you know, our husbands were kind of maybe just kind of, you know, going to do something dumb. We would just say to each other, just duck, which basically says, means just duck, get out of the way, and let God deal with them because he will. And you can know that he will because you're God's daughter. God doesn't let people just abuse their daughters for long periods of time without some intervention at some point. Um, so marriage, you know, my relationship with my husband only works because I love Jesus more. My expectation is not in my husband to meet my every need. He can't. He never will. He's not supposed to. That's not how God designed it. God designed it that my expectation would be met in Jesus first. That my husband doesn't come along and replace Jesus. We walk together in Jesus. We walk together in Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can actually hold us together. So we walk together in Jesus. And then I've, you know, I've learned that um, in this learning to yield and understand the roles, that we all have a different uh, role in that. You know, wives have certain things that they need. Husbands have certain things that they need. You know, a lot of women will say to me, you know, women, men have no feelings. But that's not true. That's a lie. That's just the devil whispering lies in your head. Um, they do have a lot of feelings, and they operate in a lot of insecurity. They feel like failures more often than you know. They question their, their things and decisions that they make more often than you know. Um, so don't be like what the world tells you and just assume that um, they have no feelings, that they don't care, because that's not true. Um, they can get distracted, and sometimes they don't hear you. Sometimes you, you know, I'm going to kind of verbalize some things that women fear. Because one of the things that, about submission in um, in First Peter talks about how um, one of the things that made women beautiful in biblical times was the fact that she was able to submit to her husband, Abraham, who was held accountable for his um, leadership uh, with his wife, Sarah, but that she submitted to him and she yielded him to him without fear. So what do we fear? We, feel, we fear not being heard. We fear not being heard. Um, we fear not being um, respected in the sense that we have a voice. Um, we fear of being over, overpowered in a lot of ways. We fear being, you know, financial scares, whatever. Um, 
But mostly, you know, we want to be heard, we want to be recognized, we want to be noticed. Um, women, you know, um, we have a lot of fear. And so a lot of times fear will get in the way of allowing your husband to lead. So then you, be, then you become the leader, which then you step outside of your role, and it doesn't work, and you don't know why. So what I've learned to do is I have to pray first. I have a voice in this marriage, and we're very much, you know, in agreement with that. I have a voice in the marriage. I have a place in the marriage, and it should be that way. Um, but first, I have, I have to pray, and some things never get said at this point now. Back in the beginning, yeah, but now, at this point now, some things never get said. I just pray about it. Because my, my yielding, my surrender, my, the initial submission in my heart is to the Lord. When we came out here, when we moved out here from California, um, I cried for the nine days that it took to get here. I cried for all the days after. Um, we fought like cats and dogs. The kids would uh, see me get in my car and leave, and he'd say, she'll be back. Um, so, like, we can't have any pretense here because all my kids are around. They know what kind of a marriage we have. Um, you know, this went on for a lot of years. Um, but he always knew I'd come back. Like, he always knew I would, I would be back. But it's this working through process of who am I going to surrender to? I'm going to surrender. I'm going to, you know what? I came out of submission to the Lord is why I came because I knew that God was calling us here. I didn't come here because I was necessarily submitted to him, but I was submitted to the Lord. I was submitted to the Lord. And in my commitment to God and my commitment to my kids, a commitment to my marriage, I'm going to put out the effort to make that work. And if that means I've got to be on my face before the Lord all the time to make that work, then that's what I'm going to do. Because I have to get my heart to a place of yieldedness before the Lord and before uh, so that I can be leadable. Okay? Be leadable. You know? Be leadable. Be open to hear what he has to say and take the time to hear what he has to say. But not only listen to what he has to say, but hear his heart. But I'll say one thing to you guys, that if you want her to hear your heart, then you better have a heart for God. And you need to let her know that she's being considered in your decisions as a person who's seeking the Lord. If your wife knows that you're seeking the Lord, she'll submit to you more freely than if you're just running off with your own rampant ideas. Um, that's what I mean by a sense of security. Um, so learning to be yielded is, is really born out of, comes out of who my relationship with the Lord and, and um, this idea of, of wanting to honor God above all things and growing in the, in the sense of marriage where, you know, we have a mutual affection for each other. We have a mutual respect for each other. He knows what my gifts are. I know what his gifts are. I know what the calling on his life is. He understands the calling on my life. And over the years, years, through the battles, through the thick and the thin, we have learned to respect those things. And we have learned to walk together side by side through life, honoring God.
that's that's the goal that's the purpose and in the end when i when we die and our kids are left you know what do i want them to know and remember about marriage that they loved god that no matter what happened in life they fought hard to stay together and they fought hard to persevere and to make a difference um I don't know if that's enough about wives, but um, I know it's hard to be married, okay? I know what it is to face the fears. I know what it is. I do. Um, but I want to I just say for a minute to the people that aren't married. Some of you are not married because you're, di- you're, you're divorced, and you're, you've never healed from that. So I think, and even hearing what we're, you know, we have to say about marriage today is, you know, Ask God to show you, you know, your hurts, your heart, where, you know, things, areas where you might have screwed up. You know, don't worry about what the other partner did. But allow God to heal you in your heart over broken marriages. Because uh, if you get married again, you don't want to bring that into your next marriage. Allow God to deal with your heart and bring healing into your life. For those kids out there who are afraid to get married because they, either their mom or their dad failed, um, or both. Um, failure is part of marriage. Messing up is part of marriage. Living with imperfect people is part of marriage. Um, they made their mistakes. They regret their mistakes. But don't be afraid of marriage just because you saw some people make mistakes. But the other thing I want to say, um, and it's going to be specifically to the girls, so don't get offended guys but um you know when you're looking for a husband you're looking for somebody who you're hopefully going to spend the rest of your life with i guess this could be to the single guys you're looking for the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with so you need to know right now imagining in your mind what you hope that to be because if you're um, hankering on some guy who doesn't have your same values, who treats you like a jerk now, who doesn't hear you, doesn't see you, doesn't listen to you, um, doesn't respect you, most of all, then walk away. Walk away. Because you will enter in and have a bad and difficult marriage. I can guarantee it. I know it. You need to know what kind of a guy that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And um, those things that he's not doing now, he will do worse then. And to you guys, what she's not doing now in respecting and honoring you and hearing you, um, not in your selfishness, she won't do then. Because marriage has a, has a real easy way of becoming a very self-centered thing. That, that's what the enemy does. We only get concerned about our own needs. But um, when we do that, we lose sight of what God called us to, and that is really dying to ourselves and living for each other as Christ loved the church. We're all called to that. Submission is to all of us, but we're all called to that. So that's all I'm going to say. If you have any, like, questions or whatever.
about what I said, because uh, you know I've, we've done marriage counseling for too long to know. I, um, there's a lot of stuff. You know, you can't just. There's just like it's too hard to paint a full picture. But um, you know, we love you guys. Your lives matter to us. Who you are matters to us. Your marriages matter to us. Who you will marry matters to us. Um, and marriage is a beautiful thing, and it's a God-given gift. It's a gift to treasure. So um, that's all. Amen to that. She didn't tell you too many of our secrets, <laughs> thankfully. You know... Being a husband's not an easy thing either. And I, I think the responsibility of it is greater. You know, we all kind of complain about what my role is, what, you know, what you complain about, what your role is in marriage, the way God spells it out. But God planned it all. It's all part of his purpose. But for the husband, I think, you know, uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And that's no easy task. We, you, know, why we, you know, the wives, you might complain, I've got to submit to that guy. That's not an easy task. I get that. But to love your wives as Christ loved the church, that means death. That means you die. And I, I, think, I think that's the greater... Uh, the harder, the greater responsibility for the husbands. In Colossians, it says, you know, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. There is so much more that, you know, that we can say about these passages. Uh, I have a whole study, and I, I think I'm going to save it for next week, about for the husbands uh, out of First Peter chapter 3. But, but Paul says in, in Ephesians 5, you know, that, that when we love our wives, it comes back to us. The things that we do for our wives, the, things that, the way we take care of them, it comes back to us. Now, some of, some of you guys, you, you, you're not husbands right now, but, but maybe you will be someday. Or maybe... Uh, you can help someone who is and pointing them to, to what the scripture says. But ultimately, ultimately it's Jesus. I mean, I said it, she said it, she said the same thing. Ultimately, it's Jesus that helps us. The passage I'm going to look at next week is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, where we, it says, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to, to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I'm going to look at that next week. I've got, like I said, I've got a whole study, and rather than just racing through it, I'd rather uh, uh, bring it to uh, next Sunday. But we see here in, the, in these opening chapters of the book of Genesis that God has plans and God has a purpose. And his plan and his purpose is for one man, one woman, a father and a mother, a husband and a wife. This is God's ideal. 
This is God's plan and purpose, not what secular society or culture says, well, this is what, we've got a better plan, we've got a better idea. That's where we start to get in trouble. We start to, you know, get away from what God says. God's blessing, God's purpose is in our life. I'm going to finish before I pray. Uh, I remember being on an airplane and we were going to California to see our family and, and I just, I don't know, I just wrote a bunch of thoughts about, you know, how God had blessed us as a couple. And so Christmas time this year, you know, I pulled those notes out and I, and I started working on a, a song to put, put that together uh, to music. And um, I didn't get it finished for, in time for Christmas. You always kind of procrastinate and you know how things go. Anyways, I, I got most of the words together and, and, uh, and then, you know, in the first few months of the year, I, I continued to work and got the music together. So I put this together in my little home studio, okay? Disclaimer. Uh, and uh, still a lot of things I got to learn about how to put this stuff together. But we have a little space in our room, our bedroom, where I've got, you know, piano and a little iPad, and got it's all there. I should have brought a picture for you. Anyways, this song, uh, we're going to put the words up for you. It's called We've Been Blessed by God, and, and uh, that I've been blessed by her. I'm glad she came back in time, too. She can come and sit with me, and Chris is going to play it for you. believe all these years we've been together all that we've been able to do all the places that we have been all the people that we have met all our children and all those grandchildren too We've been blessed by God And I've been blessed by you I thank God I thank God for you Did you ever think we'd be so blessed To serve our God in all these ways The church, the word, the music lives of people part of us all the ups and all the downs it's not always been easy but always been worth it oh we've been blessed by god and i've been blessed by you i thank god i thank god for you Stand and thank God how he's blessed us together Did I ever imagine I'd have a partner like you? It's been proven true that two are better than one And even more that three are better than two This journey, this life we've been able to share I'm amazed, I'm humbled, more than I can say I couldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything I wouldn't have it any other way
Oh, we've been blessed by God, and I've been blessed by you. I thank God, I thank God for you. I thank God, I thank God for you. Oh, Lord, our lives we dedicate to you. Let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us, that you created us, you made us, and you first loved us, and we respond by loving you in return, Lord. Thank you for all you've given to us, how you have blessed us, Lord. We, we are just amazed at how you have blessed us, and I thank you for my wife, I thank you for my kids and my grandkids, and I thank you for this church, this fellowship of people through all these years. I thank you for what you have done, that you are doing, but I also thank you, God, for what you will do. I look, I look with uh, excitement to the future, Lord, the future here on this earth or the things you have plans for us, and, but, but also that future you have planned for us in heaven that we have an eternity to spend with you and to worship you and to give you all that glory and honor that you deserve. So, Father, I pray for the marriages in our fellowship. I pray for the marriages that you would have your hand upon, each and every one. and There would be a submission there to you, first and foremost. Bless them, Lord. I pray for those that aren't married too, Lord, that they, they would uh, know your, your peace and your direction in their lives and they would hear and know your voice. Protect them, Lord. Guide them, Lord. I pray too for... Any that don't know you, Lord, today is a good day to surrender your life to Jesus. And Jesus, I pray you'd show them who you are today in their, as they would submit and surrender and open their hearts and lives to you, Lord, you would prove your great, great love to them today, here, even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we? One last song.